Hello, welcome to Telegraph Babylon, the podcast from Mo's Books. I'm Francesca Honey. And I'm Kaylee McGurl. And we are recording in the back room of More Mo's, our art and antiquarian shop on the fourth floor. We're currently surrounded by some rare and mysterious books, also a cow skull, some obscure artifacts, pottery, random gadgets and gizmos. Uh, it's, it's a little precarious, but we're, we're making do with it. What today we wanted to talk about was um, people have asked us, what are all these piles behind the counter? Why do they change so much? You know, where are these books from? Where are they going? Did you buy all of these today? Are they always so precarious? Yeah. <laughs> are they going to fall over? Will you be in danger if there's an earthquake? <laughs> the answer to that one is yes. Probably yes. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I just hope that uh, that we're not here when when the big one hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although our coworker Owen was here during the '89 quake, right. and I mean he was fine, he survived. So you know maybe maybe things would be all right. Who Didn't knows? he say that all the books fell off the shelves though? Oh, probably. That would be a big mess. <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible. But nobody was hurt, <laughs> right. which is the main thing. Just books. <laughs> we thought that today we could go into the life cycle of a book at Moe's, from when it enters at the counter to when it goes out the door and becomes a two-dollar book. Or wave goodbye to it. Or when somebody buys it. Or when somebody Hopefully. buys it. Yeah, preferably. Preferably <laughs> we, that we one. We like that one better. Um, yeah. I, I think that, uh, so the, the first thing when you walk in, you see the buying counter and an often towering stack of books, which is the pile of things that have yet to be priced, and which when we are between customers, all of us buyers behind the counter will be researching and pricing. So the process of buying books is something we also get a lot of questions about. Yeah, if you've ever sold books to us, you might have wondered what exactly is going on in our heads. Um, and of course, we can't reveal the precise uh, mechanisms and workings of this very mysterious process. The mental calculus. Yes, yes, it's very uh, advanced skill. Yeah. We're, we're definitely magicians yes. here. I, we want you all to think that. Um, but more realistically, um, if you've ever wondered what we're looking for in books that we buy, we have a lot of different subjects that we sell at Moe's. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what makes us different from your average used bookstore is that being, as we are so close to the university campus... Um, we cater to a lot of people who are working at the university, either graduate students, faculty, or undergraduates, right. um, and are involved in academic life in some way. So a lot of people come looking for their scholarly texts or things for their research. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but so academic books do really well for us, specialized things in various fields. Um, those, are, those are our main bread and butter books, yeah. I think is the term yeah. that gets thrown around. Yeah. And so other things that we look for in books, I mean, um, condition is really important to us. We're kind of known as one of the pickier bookstores in the area. Yeah. Um, because we, we have we have gotten feedback on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a pretty high standard of books that we like to accept into the store. I mean, the main reason for that is that we see often thousands of books a day. You know, oh, not right. every day, but many days. Um, you know, it's... We have to be selective, otherwise uh, we'd have no room on the shelves for the things that we can really sell. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think the estimate for the number of books that we usually have in stock at any given time is about 200,000 
used books, right? Yeah. I mean, or that's, something. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> I don't lot. know where that's that really I, high figure. <laughs> I don't know where that number came from. I but don't either. <laughs> it's probably something. One day somebody asked Mo, "How many books do you think are here?" And yeah. he said, "Eh, two thousand, two thousand. Yeah. I don't know. Get out of my store. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in terms of how we compare to other bookstores in the U.S., we're definitely one of the largest, just in terms of the amount of used books we have. Um, so when it comes to buying, we have to be selective in order that we, um, you know, have room for everything. Right. And I think that, that the thing about us is that we, for our size, it's actually pretty remarkable that we individually select every book that comes into this store. Totally. You know, yeah. we're not, we're not doing, we're not buying lots. We're not, you know, bringing in wholesale things used. It's, it's an individual process. We go book by book and we look at every book and we decide, can we sell this or not? And right. sometimes we take risks if we don't know, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think I, I get the question a lot, like, how do you decide what books to buy when, when you're looking at them coming over the counter? Um, and I feel like the thing is, nobody can have seen all of the books in the yeah, world. There's, there's so many books. There's no way you can know every single book. So you have to be able to just... Um, have an intuition for what kinds of books are good versus what kind of books are not going to sell for us. Um, and I think that's like a really tricky thing to, to put into words. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I do think that also, though, as you become a more experienced buyer, you recognize books, specific ones totally. that you know don't sell or that do sell, conversely. Right. Um, you know authors, you know names, uh, certain things stick out in your mind. Like, maybe you'll see a book and it'll remind you of the fact that you just bought one the other day or that when you were shelving the other week, you saw that there were four on the shelf right. and they'd been there a while. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't have a, a catalog at Moe's. Um, There's no computer system, so we yeah. can't see how many we have. We have to go and look ourselves. Totally, yeah. And I think every buyer has a mental catalog in their head of the store and what is on the shelf at any current moment. Um, yes, so I am probably the store's newest buyer. Uh, I just started training about three months ago, four months ago. Yeah. Um, it's a lengthy training process. Yeah, yeah. It's totally like a year is. before they let you go unsupervised. Right. <laughs> um, everyone's checking your work until then. Um, right. So that's how you know you're getting pros. Uh, yeah. Don't worry, we're not. they're not just throwing us out, out at you. Other buyers make sure that we are up to scratch. Right. That's another thing about the buying process. It's actually very collaborative. Um, even people who've been here for like 20, 30 years don't always agree with each other on what they should buy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we have a, a lovely and vibrant tradition of uh, angry notes that people, when they are pricing, they'll come across something that they are shocked and dismayed that we right. <laughs> have paid money for or given store credit for. And they will dash off an angry note and stick it in the book and stick it behind the counter so that whoever was the culprit can see their, their, mistake. their errors. Repent. <laughs> yeah. For their wrongdoing. Yeah. There's definitely been some really good notes over the years. Yeah. Some of you may remember our uh, longtime manager, Gene, who retired recently. His, his classic one was just writing HOPELESS in all caps, underlining it several times and sticking it in the book. Um, can't really go much more classic than that. <laughs> yeah, definitely um, not. There was a, a book that was published by something called Harvard Matrix, uh, and our coworker wrote, Harvard, my buttocks, self-published crapola. 
Right. Um, Eloquent, truly. Yeah. Just, just um, <laughs> poetry. <laughs> yeah. Another favorite of mine was there was a, a book called Goths uh, on the uh, medieval group right. of people. <laughs> And somebody had written a note on it that said, no more goths. And somebody else replied, but what about New Wave? Yes. Um, so it's how we keep ourselves entertained during the slow days, I think. Definitely. Definitely. So from the giant pile at the side of the front counter, we priced the books. And do you want to say a little bit more about that process? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think pricing is something that I'm still really learning. It's probably the hardest thing to do in the store. Um, There's a lot of factors that we take into consideration when we price. Um, Definitely, we have to consider, like, you know, how much can we reasonably expect for this book? Um, What kind of a book is it? How well does the section sell? How long is it going to sit on the shelf before someone wants it? Um, Online prices are definitely a part of how we price. They're not the whole deal. Um, but we do sell books online as well. And so that's something to consider. Yeah. I mean, so the online prices can be just more of a mental guideline. Um, if we're pricing it for online, obviously they're more than that. If we see a book and we think that, okay, this is going to have to go online because we couldn't sell this in the store. Like if it's super specialized, if we don't have an audience for it, um, if it's like, fragile maybe um, yeah sometimes if it's a weird shape or small yeah. or has like those that thing where publishers have like cutouts in the dust jacket yeah. cutouts are the worst <laughs> can we cutouts just will not survive here <laughs> can we just say that if a book has a cutout on the cover can you stop doing that if yeah. you're involved in the publishing industry can you just tell everyone <laughs> to stop Please. doing that because after a week on the shelf it will tear the front cover the yeah. whole front cover will tear in half Guaranteed. Looking at you, curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. I have never oh once yeah, that seen was one the of worst. those. Never once seen one of those that was not Torn. an unrecognizable blob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what were you saying? Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so books online. So yeah, uh, certain things that would get lost on the shelves or if they don't have words on the spine, for example, Mm -hmm. sometimes that's just a reason why we can't sell something. If it's staple bound or, you know, if it's, if it's on the shelf and no one's going to pull it out because they can't see what it is. Right. A lot of our rare books, we will list online, but we actually keep in the store. Um, and those are in an, in a inventory, but we also have a warehouse. Um, it's in West Oakland and it's even dustier and more full of teetering bookcases than Moe's. I've actually never been. Really? In the four years or so that I've been here, I have never visited the warehouse. Oh, it's really lovely, actually. It's in this building that's just, like, really, like, like old school, like, studio warehouse vibes. Like, it's got beautiful wood floors. Ah. Um, it is, like, possibly the dustiest place I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> you need to like, wear a mask? Yeah, every time I go in there, I just sneeze. Like, crazy. Yeah. But but it's, it's yeah, I don't know. It's, like, going into the stacks of a library or something. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, so to summarize where we are in our life cycle of a book, um, after we decide that we want to buy a book, it comes across the buying counter, it goes in a large teetering stack, then we take it down, we price it, um... Maybe we send it to the warehouse if it's something we want to go online. Um, And then, if it's going to stay in the store, we sort it into any of the many other large teetering stacks of books. Right. Um, Well, I mean, first, like, oftentimes we'll just put it 
on the middle point, which is sure. like the staging yes. area where we'll price the book and we'll put it uh, on a different back counter. And then from in a there, different teetering stack. And then from there, we will price it. We will sort it into a different third set of teetering <laughs> stacks. Sometimes I feel like my entire life is just moving books from one precarious teetering stack to another precarious teetering stack. Yeah, so we have we have several different sections that we sort books into. Um, mostly it's by floor. So we have a we have a spot for art and architecture books because they're so big and heavy. Um, Often large format too. Yeah, totally. So they have their own little section. We have another spot for um, cookbooks and other second floor books, and then we have um, literature and poetry. That kind of takes care of the second floor. Mm-hmm. Literature is probably our most um, our most moved through section, I would say. Um, we're Definitely one of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not the most, but... Yeah, it's, I think it's, probably. I yeah. think you could say that. I think it's probably the section we sell the most out of. Um, yeah, which, unsurprisingly. On a consistent basis. Maybe yeah. not in, like, terms of dollars. Right. But, but in terms of a number of books. Sure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so once a book is in a, a pile for the floor it's going to be on, um, we'll load it up on a cart and we'll take it to the floor where it might live for a couple days, maybe longer, a couple weeks. Depending, sometimes, depending. yeah, sometimes, especially on the third floor, you know, as, as we go up through the shelving process, um, which is where we take books off carts and sort them into sections and then shelve them alphabetically in those sections, um, sometimes we will come across books, often we will come across books that are um, kind of impossible or very difficult to decide what section they should be shelved in. Oh my god. Yeah, I just shelved a cart of them yesterday. Yeah, was, you're brave. Yeah, I mean, I, I just made some calls, you know? I'm yeah. sure someone's gonna be like, what is this doing in this section? But it's better point. than on a cart. It is better on a, than on a cart, yeah. Because some totally. of those books, I would wager, have been there for months. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Because nobody wanted like to shelf there for at least six months. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted to shelf them, yeah. so they just went on the question cart. Yeah, the hard <laughs> cart, the not my job cart. Yeah, somebody else's problem cart. Yeah, <laughs> the blue one. Yeah, <laughs> the blue one. Um, yeah, I think shelving is the one thing that is truly essential to the flow of books at Moe's. Um, so we only have so many carts that we can put books on. So there has to be a constant rate of shelving and a constant replenishing of the carts on all the floors. Or we end up with these stacks at the front counter that are just too high. You can't put any more books on them. Yeah. At some point we, we run out of room. Um, and we have to start sending them to the warehouse. Uh, in boxes. Yeah. Not cataloged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bad news. We don't want to do that. And it's also really crucial, another thing, um, for the buying process. You have to shelf if you're going to buy. Because if you don't know... I mean, shelving is is a really fundamental way that you get that mental catalog of what's in the store. You know? Totally. Uh, It's where you see, you know, if you shelf philosophy every week and you see that the same book has been there for three months or a year or two years or whatever, mm-hmm. then you know, hey, if I see that, if somebody's offering me that over the counter, we don't need it. But yeah, and so so sometimes, you know, when those books have been there a while, we we have to start thinking about if nobody's buying them, what do we do with them? Right. Right? And that's where culling comes into play, which is kind of the, the end of a life cycle of a book at Moe's. Um, almost. Yeah, it's, almost. It's, it's the down... It's the beginning of the end. Yeah, it really is. Um, so sometimes, you know, it, this is also a very controversial process among uh, staff at Moe's about when to cull a section. 
how deeply to cull it because it's it's hard to decide when to give up on something. Totally. You yeah. know, and when to say there's something else waiting on the cart that will have a better shot. Right. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like um, when libraries call books from their stock, they have a system that will tell them exactly when this book was last checked out, how many times it's been checked out in the last like five year period or something. Um, they have like data on their books that they can use to make like pretty, pretty objective judgment calls on them. But we don't have that. Like just because a book is on the shelf and it's been there for five years doesn't mean there haven't been like three other copies that have constantly been selling. Yeah. Like if, if maybe that one's just priced a little too high or it's got a little bit of markings that we right. didn't notice that people aren't interested in. Yeah. There's all sorts of reasons why we wouldn't sell a book. Um, and those are a complete mystery to us as we are calling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a complicated process and it's not just how long the book has been on the shelf. There's a lot of judgment involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I also work in the new books department at Moe's and um, we, do similar to libraries have we do have a catalog of those so we can see you know how often it's sold how often we restocked it um when the last time we sold it was and yet it's still not an objective decision we can see a book and say okay so we didn't sell it for six months say you know right. we had this book we got three copies in we sold one we sold another one a month later we sold another one uh six months later and we had restocked it in the meantime. Right. And uh, and then maybe we sold one last week. You know, like sometimes you're looking at a book, you're like, wow, this one's really slowed down. But then somebody bought one the day before. So then you're right. like, well, is did something happen? Did that person get interviewed on the radio and now people are going to want this book again? Right. You yeah. know, did it just win a prize? You know, was somebody assigning it in a class? Or maybe just that person saw, huh, maybe that's interesting. Yeah. So sometimes it's it's a judgment call about, do we want to return this to the publisher? Do we want to, you know, if it's been there too long, make it a used book? Or if it's damaged, make it a used book? Um, yeah, I was actually wondering about that. So I don't work in new books, so mm -hmm. I, I don't really know that much about this side of the store. Um, are you able to return most books to the publisher when you don't sell them? Um, it Depends. There's there's a time limit. Oh, um, okay. I think I, I think I don't actually know what it is. I think different publishers might have different rules about mm. how long after you receive a book you can return it. I feel like it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a year, uh -huh. maybe two. Um, but I I really I really don't know exactly. I think uh, Laura, who's the sort of head of the new books department, she's been here a long time. She'd probably be able to rattle off how long. Right. You know, um, and, and only if it's in still new condition or pretty much new condition. Right. Um, if there's anything, you know, if it got dropped on the floor a couple of times while it was on the shelf or, you know, the dust jacket got torn or whatever, that's not, we can't return it. Um, we have to make it a used book. Or maybe it's just not worth the trouble for us to return it mm -hmm. and then wait and see if they will accept it or not when we could just make it used and maybe still make a couple of dollars off it. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, when a book comes in damaged, uh, then, you know, we can return it or get credit for it right away. So. Right. Yeah. I think it, it's interesting at Moe's how the new books relate to the used books because there's, like, definitely a... Um, I feel like there's a life cycle of a new book, too, where, like, Definitely. you know, for a while it's, like, the hottest thing and everybody's buying it and we can't keep it in stock used. And if we get any copies, 
um, they immediately sell. And then slowly it starts to slow down and we start to accumulate more used copies and people stop buying them. And then if people buy the new one, we're like, oh, we have a used copy. Do you want that one instead? Yeah, right. We undercut ourselves all the time here. Yeah, because um, <laughs> we're nice. <laughs> with the remainders. Yeah, I mean, if I go and went into a new and used bookstore and I was about to buy a new book and the person behind the counter said, hey, I just saw a used one. Do you want it? I'd be like, Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, no, definitely. I think that's an important um, thing just for our customers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, especially if you don't necessarily think to look for a used copy. Right. I think um, a lot of people don't. Yeah. We just have so many used books. It's like a little overwhelming. I think yeah. people often don't know where to go. Right. And um, so it's I mean, it's always a good thing to ask. You know, I I, I think that, um, you know, I would I, I feel bad if somebody like comes to me and they're like uh, they're asking you know, I was I was looking all over the store for this book and I can't figure it out. I'm I really want to find it. Can you help me? And then I tell them what section we'd shelve it in, and that was one they hadn't checked. Right. You know, it's like well, it could have saved you a lot of time. You know, totally, um, totally. But you know, it's because it's it's not it's an idiosyncratic system here. Like it's not necessarily <laughs> yeah intuitive um, to the outside viewer. It's like makes sense to us working here because we all have kind of this system. Um, of where we shelve certain books, although of course we disagree sometimes, but um, yeah, you know, there's a we we sort of know what goes where and where we'd be likely to shelve something, or totally. where you know our co coworkers would be likely to shelve something too. Yeah, um, and we can direct you. There's a lot of sections in the store, honestly, yeah. and there's a lot of small sections that I think yeah. people often don't know exist. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, under <laughs> underrepresented section, <laughs> overlooked section? Um, you know, I of course uh, it's no secret I love the children's foreign language section. Mm, um, it's been one of one. one of my pet sections, um, even though it's so tiny, <laughs> right. and it's so overlooked. Um, but, it, but it sells well. Yeah, kinda. Kinda. You know, <laughs> certain languages. Um, yesterday we got offered like. 15 boxes of Swedish books. No. <laughs> <laughs> about, um, about, you know, a couple of those boxes were kids' books. And I, I took, like, three or yeah. four because we don't have, you know, Spanish, absolutely. French, 100%. Right. Uh, Swedish? Mm, no. <laughs> it's going to be slow, especially because that section is under a table. Right. Um, in the kids' section because that's the only place that we have room. Right. Um, so if you're interested in that, definitely ask, and uh, one of us will show you where it is right. because it is very hard to find on your own if you don't know where to look. The secret sections. Yeah. Course. Do you have one? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of – I'm torn. Um, I have a couple little favorite tiny secret sections. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think our disability studies section is really cool, um, and I think a lot of people don't know we have it. I wish there were more books in it. I – also wish there were more books in it. I think my other favorite tiny section, though, is probably our magic section. Like, sleight of hand? Yeah. Like, card tricks, like, how to do magic. Like, I didn't even know that section existed until, like, maybe a couple months ago. Nice. <laughs> did you know we have a pirates section? I did know we have a pirates section. Yeah. I mean, not that many books go into it, but, <laughs> you know, we shelved one there the other day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, look for that. So, um... You know, uh, after we call the sections, you know, oftentimes we'll be left with a big stack of books um, that have been there a long time, some of which may be damaged through shelfware over the time, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of which probably we're just not going to be able to sell for that price. Or maybe oftentimes, you know, before calling, there's the marking down step. 
Right. You know, and often when we're calling a section, we're doing both. You know, if something's been totally. here a while at a certain price and, you know, maybe we think, hey, like cut a few bucks off of that and see if it sells there. Sometimes you can see the marks of former markdowns and that's when you know, you know, right. if it's been marked down twice. You and know, it's been there since 2011. Yeah, that's too long. <laughs> yep. In any section. Shouting out a book I uh, called the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Um. So oftentimes, you know, sometimes these books are just not in good enough shape to sell at all. Right. Um, sometimes it's just falling apart. Um, but other times, you know, it's like, well, you know, maybe somebody still wants this. Who knows? Um, we can stamp it and put it on the carts that you see outside right. the store. Um, so we have the $5 and $2 carts. And, you know, kind of it's just a judgment call about what goes where. You know, it's right. just kind of like you know, do, does this seem like a $5 book or a $2 book really totally. when yeah. you're looking at it? Um, and I think there's a lot of cool books that actually like don't sell in sections because people just look them over, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, maybe they've been priced $6 for a long time, but when we put them on the cart, suddenly people are looking at them a lot more yeah. and they're cool books. And someone's like, Oh wait for $5. Like definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. just a question of people finding them. It's a, it's a thing we like to say here uh, among the staff that we have the best sale carts in of any used bookstore. Um, because a lot of times, you know, the things that we can't sell are still incredibly interesting. Super weird, maybe. Yeah, like, cool books. Yeah, totally. You know, not just your random, like, pocketbooks or, like... Mark you know. down trade paperbacks from five years ago. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of different, that's a lot of sales cards. Yeah. You see like, you know, the science fiction, mass market books, the, right. the mystery novels, a lot on those kinds of things. But we have like, you know, maybe like a graduate math text. Not usually though. Those pretty much sell. We yeah. don't have to stamp those. Sometimes, I mean, recently we just put a Greek English lexicon on the cart. Yeah. Very cool. Very specific. But the spine had torn off. The spine had torn <laughs> off. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's super, you know, it's but if a you just wanted a lexicon, you know, you know if you're learning Greek, find. that's a total fine. If you're learning so. Greek and, and you want, want to learn Greek for five bucks, obviously we don't want ever for a book to end up on the carts because it means that we took a bet and we lost what lost it. Right. Um, but you know, like it's, it's kind of nice to see things go out from there. Yeah. You know, definitely. Because it's better than throwing them in the trash. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, so basically, to, to summarize our, our life cycle of a book at Moe's, um, it starts when we buy a book over the counter, um, and then we price it, decide whether it's going to stay in the store or go to our online warehouse. Um, it gets put in some large teetering stacks and eventually sorted. And then it gets put on a cart, taken up to the floor where it will eventually be shelved, and then put on the shelf in alphabetical order. Um, and then it, it probably stays there for a while, a couple years. Hopefully not too long. Maybe someone takes it off the shelf, brings it back down to the front counter, we have to shelve it again, you know. But we, we, definitely we definitely prefer somebody giving it back to us to reshelve rather than, say, making a giant pile and leaving it in the corner. Absolutely. Yes. Or prefer. trying to shelve it yourself and not getting it in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. So after it's it's been on the shelf for a while, then we might take it off, mark it down, eventually stamp it if it hasn't sold. Um, or otherwise, it might fly out the door and go to your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should, uh, pivot and, uh, I'll ask you, Kaylee, what are you reading right now? Ooh. 
Great question, Francesca. <laughs> Great question. Um, I feel like I... So what I'm reading right now, what I'm in the middle of, um, are some Lydia Davis books. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm working my way through the collected stories, and I'm also reading her recently released volume of essays. They're really interesting to read uh, next to each other because a lot of her essays are about her writing process and what informed and inspired various stories. Um, so that's really interesting. And she's such a good writer. It's just, yeah. it's so good. Her stories are like, I mean, it's it's kind of a giant volume. Um, and I feel like I often get... It's a green one, right? Well, the essays is the green one, yeah. Okay. The stories <laughs> is the um, the orange. Yeah. Because yeah. they, all, they all look very similar except for their different colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, but yeah, I feel like with collected short stories, like sometimes I get a little overwhelmed and I'm like, oh my God, like... I'm never going to make it through this giant thing. Looking at you, Flannery O'Connor. Um, <laughs> but I've actually been making good progress. So Nice. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have a few short story collections that I have been dipping into and out of. Um, uh, the Clarice Lispector collected ones. Yes. Yeah, I've only read one. a handful of them, but um, I want to I wanna sit down and read more of them because she's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to read more of that too. Yeah. I'm... Uh, I'm in the middle right now of listening to an audiobook of Milkman by Anna Burns. Oh, yeah. What do you what do you think of that? Well, it's I mean the book I, I don't know if I would like it as much to read it. Oh, although although a lot of my coworkers have also really enjoyed reading it. Um, but I just love the audiobook so much that um, that it's it's hard to say if I would if I would like the book more. Well, just okay. It. Isn't can you say more about that? Because I, I feel like I um, I remember the structure of Milkman is really weird, but I don't remember exactly what. Isn't it like all one sentence or something? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that the thing about why I like it uh, as an audiobook is because she does jump around in the narrative a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so she'll be telling a story and then she'll say, which reminds me of that time that, or, or like not even, not like that, but but she'll say, Two years ago, this had happened that was reminding me of this or that I was thinking of when... And then she'll be like, but I was standing in the street. And then I looked at the dead cat and I thought of the time that they killed all of the dogs. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. and then... But here I was still looking at the dead cat, you know? And Interesting. So she'll, like, tell this whole story and then come back and be like, here's where I am again still in the present. Mm. Um, so it, it sort of does... Um, remind you, I think listening to it, it's a little easier to follow maybe because it's sort of like a conversation because I feel like I, you know, if you talk to people that go on tangents, like sometimes I have been known to do, um, I think probably we've gone on a few in this conversation. Definitely. Um, uh, Hence the need to summarize. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's, it's conversational. And I think that's part of what can make an audiobook, you know, something worth really listening to. Mm. Um, like, for example, um, I listened to the audiobook of the Iliad. Somebody had oh. read it. It was an abridged version, but um, it was read by Derek Jacobi, who's a famous, like, Shakespearean actor. And um, and so he's reading the, the poem, and I had read parts of it or something in high school and didn't follow it or wasn't that interested, but read out loud, it was fascinating, and you could really follow the narrative, and all of the things that seem repetitive, um, this is especially just true of epic poetry, um, like the epithets and, like, the wine-dark sea and bright, shining Achilles and and white-armed Hera 
speeding to Olympus or whatever. Like all of these things don't seem like, yeah, we get it. She has white arms. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more like this is helping you ground in the, the sort of rhythm and the musicality of this, the poem. And, and, you know, for certain books, I think that the audiobook can be really different from the text in that way. Mm. And in, in fact, valuable in its own way. Um, that's, yeah. Really and, you know, and the thing with Milkman is that it's also got this very, like, wry, deadpan kind of tone to it. And, um, and the narrator, who's also from the book set in Northern Ireland, and the narrator um, is clearly from there, um, is she does the deadpan perfectly, you know? So it's it comes across super well. It's funny. There's something about hearing it said aloud as well. Yeah. You know? All right, you've got me convinced. I, yeah. I want to listen to the audiobook now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely worth a listen. Is there any book that you're especially excited to to read that's coming up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, so I've been wanting to read my autobiography of Carson McCullers for a little while. Yeah. I've heard that's good. What, what, what do you think, what, what's exciting you about it? Well, so the general premise is like, it's her combining anecdotes from her own life with sort of her researching these love letters of Carson McCullers. Um, and I guess these love letters were found fairly recently, I think. And like, um, they kind of, I think there's like a conventional narrative of Carson McCullers about like who she was and like what, what her life was like, um, which I, I don't know a ton about because I've never like really researched Carson McCullers or read a biography of her. But I guess the thing is that these letters like really challenged that perception. Um, and so this woman was like, wait, I really want to research Carson McCullers life, talk about these letters and talk about like what, um, you know, what they imply for how we're, we talk about her, um, mm. in her life. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like a, is it sort of like a personal autobiography as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it is definitely a personal autobiography. And I think she did, from what I understand, um, I mean, I haven't read the book yet, but from what I understand, she went personally to a lot of the places where Carson McCuller lived and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and so like just recounted like her own personal journey yeah. in doing that. Yeah. I like one thing that I like about the design of that book is that um, under the dust jacket, if you take it off, um, you'll see that the author has put her initials and Carson McCullers' initials in a, like a box on the front cover. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah. Should, I'll, I'll check it yeah. out. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I'm interested to, to look at it, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like like lesbian book history is like so not talked about. Yeah. Um, this is tan- tangential, but... Um, I am a big fan of Dejuna Barnes, mm-hmm. um, Nightwood, classic lesbian novel, mm-hmm. um, super good, super weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I read this biography of Dejuna Barnes um, that was written in like 1995. It's a Philip Herring one. Mm-hmm. And I have never read an auto, like a biography of someone that was so mean. Oh. <laughs> it just seemed like the guy writing the biography, um, like, hated Dejuna Barnes, like, hated her. Like, there were just all these... And, like, the way that he chose to represent her sexuality was really messed up, too. Um, Gross. Yeah, it was was a very strange read. Um, Like, by the end of the book, I was like, I feel like I'm reading this book against the author. Um, Because Dejuna Barnes had a crazy life. But he, like, pulled all these anecdotes about, like, people hating her and, like, how she was, like, a terrible person and, like, all this stuff. And this was, like, the bulk of his book. It was like, 
why'd you write the book, man? I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And they were all, like, I, I read some reviews of it, and, like, there were all these, like, Regina Barnes uh, academics being, like, this is, like, not factual and, like, really weird and skewed. Um, mm. and this is, like, basically the only biography of her that's out there, I think. Somebody needs to write a better one. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited for <laughs> yeah. this yeah. book on Carson McCullough. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited to read I, another one that I'm... Uh, I'm waiting on, uh, I'm either waiting on a used copy or the library, um, whichever comes first, is um, the essay collection by Daniel uh, Laverie or Daniel Ortberg, as it says on the book cover, which is something that may shock and discredit you. Mm-hmm. I've been following Daniel's work for a really long time as part of the toast. Um, he was constantly writing these hilarious pieces. When that website folded, you know, I began following his other work. Um, he actually uh, gave a reading here for the last one, um, oh, cool. which is called The Mary Spinster. It's uh, short stories. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to read that one. Yeah. That's cool. I hadn't heard of that book. So yeah. It's, um, he's very funny. Well, something to look forward to. When's it coming out? Well, it's, you know? it's actually out already. Oh, um, okay. Any final thoughts? Or just wrap it up here. I guess we could just wrap it up here. Yeah, All right. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Telegraph Babylon. Uh, I've been Francesca Honey. And this is Kaylee McGurl. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>